do welcome each one to our service tonight, uh, trusting the Lord would bless and meet with us as we gather together. I'm going to commence by turning in our hymnals to the hymn 360. In the hymn 360, sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. 360, and let us stand and let us sing unto the Lord this evening. 360, standing to sing. seated. We're going to turn in the Word of God tonight to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we'll read some verses here commencing at verse 1. The epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans chapter 5, and commencing to read the Word of God at verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand 
and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. <coughs> for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word tonight that brings us to the gospel, to justification by faith, and to the great love of God, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let us unite together in prayer. Let us seek the Lord as we come and as we meet with him. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we give thee thanks tonight that we can be found in thy house, meeting with thee, rejoicing in thee, our God, and rejoicing in thy so great salvation. And Father, we lift our voices to thee this evening. And we thank thee that we have a gospel to proclaim. And we thank thee that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight we rejoice in uh, the great salvation uh, that belongs to thy people uh, because of the Savior, because of his work and his death upon the cross of Calvary. And Father, tonight we rejoice that we have a gospel to proclaim, that we have a gospel uh, to glorify in. Uh, we thank thee that uh, the gospel is a gospel of life. Uh, that the gospel is the greatest message that uh, this world must hear. And tonight, Father, as we turn to consider afresh this glorious gospel, uh, we pray that those who are yet dead in their sins uh, would see the great need of the Savior, that thou would work in their hearts and draw them unto thyself. Uh, we thank thee that uh, thou art a God who saves and we find, thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ who came into this world to save sinners. And we do rejoice in this glorious gospel. And we do pray, Father, that uh, this land and this province uh, would know the power of the gospel of Christ. And that sinners would turn uh, from their wicked ways. That they would realize that there is a God in heaven. And they would come repenting and believing in thee. And we pray, O God, that thou would bless our time here as thy people. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our iniquities. And we pray, Father, that we would, as thy word speaks of, examine ourselves and look at ourselves in light of Scripture. If there be that wicked way within us, help us to live for thee. Help us to turn aside from sin and to avoid sin and live unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, we do remember this congregation. We pray that thou would bless us and meet our needs. And Father, we remember those who are in need. Remember our brother Vern tonight. 
Uh, we pray that thou would be with him and strengthen him. We pray for his wife as well, Curry, uh, that she would know thy help as he, she seeks to uh, help and uh, meet the needs of her husband. Uh, we do remember Debbie. Uh, we pray, Father, she would know thy continued hand upon her. Uh, we do remember Clayton. Uh, we think, Father, of her brother Colin and uh, his mother. And we pray that thou would continue to give grace and help there. Uh, we do remember as well, uh, or we do remember uh, Jean Bond, and uh, we pray, Father, uh, for Brother John also and that family on the loss of Jean's sister just last week. Uh, we pray, Father, that uh, Thou would give that help and give that grace and that comfort at this time. Draw near, we pray, and we rejoice that in our times of sorrow, in our times of grief, in our times of hardship, and uh, that we can look to Thee, uh, the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank Thee we can bring all our cares to Thee, uh, because Thou, O God, careth for us. We rejoice in that, and we thank Thee that day by day we can cast our cares at the feet of the Savior, looking uh, for His help and His grace within our lives. Uh, Father, we uh, to remember our denomination tonight, we uh, think of our churches in Canada, uh, we think, Father, of the United States and into Mexico. Do you remember the work there, the Czech Republic, and in Liberia, Jamaica? Uh, Father, remember the Dominican Republic also. Uh, these works and brethren that thou hast blessed us with as a denomination. Uh, bless them and bless uh, all of these labors for thee. Do you remember our vacant churches there in Calgary and in Phoenix? Uh, may uh, these congregations know thy leading and thy guiding. Uh, to a man of thy choosing in the days that lie ahead. Father, raise up men. Raise up men who are convicted by thee. Men who are godly and pious. Men who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And have uh, that a strong desire and calling to preach Christ in all of his fullness. Uh, we realize that this land needs men. Men who are preachers. Uh, we realize, Father, our denomination and our churches need men uh, called by Thee to preach the Word of God. And we pray and we cry to Thee that uh, Thou would revive us and revive our hearts, uh, that men would be revived of Thee, and that men would go forth into Thy work with the assurance that they know uh, that Thou hast called them uh, to preach Thy truth. Father, raise up men and uh, raise up men uh, across this world uh, to stand for thee. Uh, we thank thee for the great commission uh, that uh, belongs to the church of Christ to go into all the world and preach uh, the gospel to every creature. Bless us as we seek uh, to do our part in preaching Christ uh, to every creature. We rejoice in the gospel afresh. We rejoice in the great blessings of the gospel and we rejoice that we have the freedom this evening to meet with thee, to preach thy truth. Father, bless us. Close us in with thyself. Glorify thy name. And may each of us know the speaking voice of our God. And may we know thee and through the power of thy spirit, meeting our needs and blessing us through the preaching of thy truth. Father, undertake for us this evening. Do our souls good. Help us as we continue in thy praise, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. 
Amen. Going to turn again in our hymnals to hymn 189. The hymn 189, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be, be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fur, when the seed of earth shall gather over on the other shore, the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. The hymn 189, when the roll is called up yonder, and we'll stand as we sing, please. seated. Returning in the Word of God to John's Gospel, chapter 3, the Gospel of John, and chapter 3, and we'll read tonight the first uh, 13 verses. Uh, we're going uh, to, over the next uh, while, uh, come to this chapter and study this chapter together, and we're going to read the first 13 verses of it uh, this evening. famous chapter in the Word of God, and dealing uh, with Nicodemus and his encounter uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. John's Gospel, chapter 3, commencing to read at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the, king, the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Amen. And we'll end our reading there, the verse 13. Trusting the Lord will bless the reading of his precious and infallible word tonight. We do extend a warm welcome to each one gathered in uh, to our service tonight. To those visiting with us, we welcome you and we trust uh, the Lord would meet with us as we gather together in his name to worship him and to hear the preaching of his word. Uh, do remember uh, the, uh, the prayer meeting and Bible study on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., a meeting in the church basement, and then on Zoom also, uh, for those who cannot be there in person. If you're not on the email list, uh, then please uh, contact myself, and we can send that uh, link to you uh, when it goes out on Wednesday morning. Next Lord's Day, the Sunday School for Children and Adults is held at 9.30 a.m., and we'll be continuing in our baptism and membership course. Uh, the notes are available. And if you are interested in membership uh, or baptism, then uh, do speak uh, to myself. Morning worship then is at 10.30 a.m. We'll be coming back to our series in First Timothy, moving into chapter 2. And then the prayer meeting in the basement at 5.30 and our evening worship at 6 p.m. So do remember the services next Lord's Day and in the will of God do uh, come and attend uh, those meetings. The next session of board meeting is on Monday the 16th of October. Uh, so uh, the brethren who are on the board and on the session do remember uh, that meeting. Creation BC are having a number of meetings on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and so do uh, remember uh, those meetings. It's 7.30, Thursday and Friday. Saturday is a little earlier at 7 p.m., and uh, the speaker is Spike Saris. He uh, is speaking on various matters to do with astronomy and the solar system, and so if you are interested, I did send an email yesterday with the locations and with the subjects, and there is a notice on the hall table uh, that gives you the locations and the subjects as well. So if you are interested, uh, do take uh, one of those invitations uh, with you. 
These are all the announcements, and uh, there are a few other things in the bulletin we won't mention this evening. Uh, so uh, these meetings are subject to the will of God. And we're going to turn in our hymnals uh, to the hymn number 258. 258. <clears throat> we'll, remain, we'll remain seated while our tithes and offerings uh, for the Lord's work are received. 258. A ruler once came to Jesus by night. Dear Heavenly Father, we bring these gifts before Thee, and we thank Thee, Lord, for Thy goodness to us, for Thy care for us, and we ask that You would use the gifts to further the gospel message in this place, in this land, over the airwaves. We ask that You would bless Your Word wherever it goes, that it may do its work and accomplish that which You send it to do. We ask You to be with us now as we open Your Word, give our pastor the words to preach, and we ask that you touch each heart and help us to know and love the Lord Jesus and to know him more. We thank you, Lord, for every blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Change our positions. We'll stand to sing the rest of the hymn. Verses 2 to 4, standing to sing, please.
you may be seated. We're turning again in the Word of God to John's Gospel, chapter 3. John chapter 3. Uh, this afternoon we had a good time in Langley Lodge Kerr home, uh, singing the Lord's praises and bringing his word uh, to the residents there. And so we extend a word of thanks to those uh, from this congregation uh, who came and who uh, helped and supported us as we uh, brought uh, the gospel at that meeting. And uh, we look forward to next month as well. Uh, when we go back, next month will be the first Sunday of the month, the usual date. Uh, today was changed because of the long weekend uh, last week, even though there's a long weekend this week. And so in November, we're back to the first Lord's Day of the month, and uh, the time will remain at 1.45. So do remember that, and uh, do pray uh, for this outreach and this ministry uh, from the congregation here. John's Gospel, chapter 3, and... I want to draw your attention to the opening verses, verses 1 and 2, and there we read, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of these verses this evening, let us unite together in prayer, asking for the Lord's blessing and the Lord's help as we come uh, to the preaching of his word uh, tonight. Let us pray. Our eternal and sovereign God, we thank thee this evening and that we have this freedom to preach thy truth and to consider uh, the great passage that we have before us. And we thank thee for the example of the Lord Jesus Christ in evangelizing and in speaking of uh, the great gospel of eternal life. And Father, as we consider this passage, not only this evening, uh, but in the weeks that follow, we pray that thou would open our eyes to it, and that thou would teach us these truths once again, that we would know the great meaning behind these words, that we would rejoice, uh, that we uh, know what the Savior is speaking of here, and uh, that we know what it is to be truly born again. Father, we pray that thou would uh, make us, thy children, more assured of our salvation and our redemption and our calling out of the darkness of this world into the glorious light of the gospel. We pray, Father, that I would speak to those who are yet in their sins, that they would flee that wickedness, and they would flee that sin. They would flee those things that hold them back and have their hearts. And they would flee these things for the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, they would know what the Savior says here about being born again. We thank thee there is new life in the gospel. And Father, may we rejoice as we study this chapter together in the glorious new life that belongs to the child of God because of our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, apply thy word to our hearts. Teach us in thy ways and glorify thy name. In all that is said and done, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. 
The Gospel of John, chapter 3, is a passage that is often used in simple presentations of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, last week, we, or last month, when we visited Langley Lodge, Kerhome, I preached on John's Gospel, chapter 3, and the verse 16. A simple text, a text that has been referred to as the gospel nugget, uh, where the gospel is contained in it. A summary of the gospel, the gospel in a nutshell, as men would say. And I remember the first time that I ever preached uh, when I was young, many years ago. Uh, this was the text uh, that I chose in the same situation, uh, preaching in a residential care home, John's Gospel, chapter 3, the verse 16. And that text is well known as an evangelistic text, as a text that summarizes all of the gospel of the Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we come to John chapter 3, this chapter is known as a chapter in which the Lord Jesus has an encounter with a man called Nicodemus. It was J.C. Ryle, the English preacher and minister, who said that the encounter which Christ had with Nicodemus has given us one of the most important passages in the whole Bible. A chapter that outlines to us the necessity of the new birth, the necessity of what the Savior says in verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And a man may be ignorant of many things concerning religion and concerning the Bible. He may not be able to explain the deep things of Scripture. He may struggle to understand some basic and fundamental truths even, but if he is ignorant of the teaching contained in this chapter, and especially verse 16, and of course verse 3, ye must be born again, then he does not have that knowledge regarding the way of salvation. This chapter emphasizes it to us through the instruction of the Savior, the vital importance of experiencing the new birth and the necessity of salvation and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a wonderful chapter that speaks to us of life, spiritual life, eternal life, a chapter of life. In this world, we see death. We see death because of sin. We see death around us on every hand. But yet here we have a chapter of life. Of eternal life. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the Welsh preacher, said that our danger always, even as Christian people, is to be reducing this life, eternal life, to something that is merely a point of view, a teaching, a philosophy, a theology, or whatever. He says, we must never do that. Its essence is that it is a life. And that means the receiving of Christ's fullness. And he said, this is the greatest thing in the world, the greatest thing that any of us can ever realize eternal life. And so as we consider this theme of eternal life and the new birth that gives this life, let it not be a theological doctrine. Let it be a life. Let it be something that thrills our hearts, something that brings us closer to the Savior, something that brings you to Christ if you know not Him as your Savior. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ pointed Nicodemus to his need of eternal life. And this life is needed by the church. It's needed by sinners. It's needed by the people of God. And this is a great theme in the Gospel of John and a great theme in this chapter and this life. Understanding this life. Experiencing this, this life. Rejoicing in this life. It should grip our hearts and it should grip our souls. When Nicodemus set out that night to meet with the Savior, little did he know that that meeting would have an impact upon the world and be used of God in the salvation of many. And when we think of this man, Nicodemus, he is introduced to us in verse 1 by the use of a number of different titles and terms. He was called Nicodemus. He was a man of the Pharisees. He was a ruler of the Jews. And we also find in verse 10 that he was a master of Israel. The name Nicodemus means victorious among his people. He was a man who was noble and a significant figure in the Jewish affairs at that time. He was a man of the Pharisees, that sect that was so strict in religion. They knew the word of God. They were very open in their outward acts of religion. We've mentioned the Pharisees before, and we've considered how the Savior spoke of their hypocrisy, and we'll come to that in a short moment. But he was a man who had a great outward religion. On the surface, he had faith. On the surface, he was right with God. When we think of the Apostle Paul, and we consider this in the book of Timothy, the Apostle Paul, as Saul of Tarsus, was a Pharisee. One who was very religious. One who knew the Old Testament scriptures. But he didn't know Christ. And he persecuted the Savior and persecuted the church. So this man was also a Pharisee. He came to Jesus by night. Some would say that he came out of fear. He didn't want to be seen. As some would say maybe he came out of wisdom and discretion. He had heard about the Savior and what the Savior was teaching and what the Savior had done. And therefore he came quietly at night to speak to this man because, as we could say, the jury was out as to who the Savior was. Who was he? Who was he? Why was he here? Was he a teacher come from God? And Nicodemus then used this quiet meeting to make this quiet and discreet discernment. And that is a view some would hold to. Some would say it was out of fear. I would swing more to perhaps it was out of discretion and discernment. Uh, but whatever the case may be, he came at night and he spoke to the Savior. And I want us to consider then uh, the theme this evening, seeking out the Savior. Seeking out the Savior. Nicodemus sought out Christ. Nicodemus, as we see later on, knew Christ as Savior and followed Christ. And this is something we must all do. We must seek the Savior. And so I want you to see, first of all, that he sought out Christ despite outward religion. He sought out Christ despite outward religion. Verse 1 and verse 2 implies to us that this man was a religious man. And the thought here for us to understand is that his religion was mere religion that was void of Christ. It was void of repentance and faith. And religion that is void of Christ and religion that is empty of repentance and faith can never change the state of your soul before 
a holy God. He was a religious man, an evil man, a master, a teacher in Israel, a man whose life, work, and occupation was religious, a man who studied the scriptures and taught others. We should remember that. He was a man who knew the Old Testament scriptures, but despite this religious background, there was an outward religion, not an inward religion, not an inward faith. But he sought out the Savior. Something was missing in his religion, and it was Christ. Something was missing in his religion, and it was the faith in his heart that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Savior of sinners. He was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees, as we see, he was a Pharisee, verse 1. They were a party or sect within the Jewish religion. The term Pharisee means one who is separated. And they placed a great emphasis upon the Scriptures and keeping the law of God. They knew the Word of God. John Gill, the old commentator, said, This man was not a common and ordinary man, but a man of note and eminence, of dignity and figure, who was of the sect of the Pharisees, which was the strictest sect, for religion and holiness among the Jews, and which, as corrupt as it was, was also the soundest. But yet, we know about the Pharisees, how they kept the law of God, how the Savior, if we turn to Matthew's gospel, we turn to Matthew's gospel, we see what the Savior said about the Pharisees. Matthew's gospel, chapter 6. Verse 1, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Verse 5, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. And the Savior here is speaking of the Pharisees and how they love to display their religion, show off their religion, to show to the world that they had godliness, that they had faith, that they were the upstanding religious people in that society. And the Savior points this out. And he gives instruction as well because we are instructed by what the Savior says. We're not to pray standing in the streets to be seen of men. We're not to put our religion on display so that it hides a heart that is not actually right with God. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, sees our hearts. He knows what do you think of him? He knows how you live for him. He knows if your outward religion is false, if it is a sham, if there is nothing there at all. We hear much about fake news every so often, but yet we can have fake religion, and we have had fake religion for centuries. We're individuals think that all is well with their soul. They think they are right before God. And in reality, they are not. We also have those who know that they're not right before God, but they live as if they are, outwardly, showing off their religion, showing off what faith they have. But in their heart, there is nothing. 
There is nothing. And there are those within Christian churches who know nothing of Christ's salvation, but yet on the surface, it is deceiving. It is deceiving. And the Pharisees were like that. And dear believer, tonight, the Lord sees our hearts. We're not to be as the hypocrite. The warning of Christ to the Pharisees is a warning to us about the necessity of our hearts being right before God. That as we live for him and as we serve him, we do so not to gain the approval of others. Not to show to the world or to the church that I too am a Christian. I too have faith. But we do it because in our hearts we love the Savior. In our hearts we belong to him. The reality is that there are those that can fake being a Christian. You can come to church. You can come to church dressed up. You can come to church with your Bible. You can come to church and bow your head and sing uh, the praises. And you can listen to the sermon. And you can listen well. And you can take notes. And you can write down all the right things. But in your heart... There's nothing. It's outward religion. It's outward religion. Is that where your heart stands tonight? The warning of the Pharisees is that outward religion does not save. Do you have that inward religion? Has your heart been cleansed by the precious blood of Christ? Have you turned from your sin and desiring to look to the Savior? These outward acts can be faked. They can be faked. But our hearts can't. And the Lord's view of our heart can never be falsified. He sees not merely the outward appearance. He looks beyond it. He looks beyond it into the heart. And he knows if you belong to him or if you do not. I can only see the outward appearance tonight. Sometimes the outward appearance gives an indication of what's in the heart. If you're singing the praises and you're enjoying the word and you're nodding your head, well, the indication is perhaps that uh, you understand and agree with what is being said. If you're not, that may mean something entirely different. But again, you can sit and listen and look like you're interested, but the Lord sees the heart. I don't. The Lord sees the heart. And the Savior saw the heart of the Pharisees. What is your heart like tonight? Is it a heart cleansed by the Savior? Is it a heart that is on fire for Him? Is it a heart that loves Him? Or is it a heart that is hiding behind false and fake religion? Nicodemus had outward religion, but he did not know what it was to be born again. That is why the Savior says to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, if you're not born again, if you haven't experienced this new life, a new life that we'll come to and explain and preach in due course, if you haven't experienced this, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into heaven. Dear unbeliever tonight, whatever your outward religion is, if you do not know the new birth, you can never see the kingdom of God. You can never see the kingdom of God. Oh, the Savior 
had much to say about the Pharisees. He spoke the wickedness of the heart. He said in Matthew 5 verse 20, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they're righteous. And they still need Christ. And they still need forgiveness. And they still need salvation. Your righteousness would have to exceed them. As mere men, we cannot do that. As mere men, we cannot. I want you to turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verses 1 to 2. 1 to 8. Well, verse 2, the Savior speaking to the multitude, he says, verse 2, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay, on the, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. We'll stop there. And so the Savior is rebuking the Pharisees and he's warning the multitude, don't do what these individuals do. Don't live as them. Listen to the law and obey the law, but don't do as they do. Ignore it. Ignore it. For they say and do not. They bind heavy burdens with legalism. And if we were to move through the Gospels, we would see that legalism. And we would see time and time again the Savior's criticism of the Pharisees. And so we find this religious Pharisee coming to the Savior. And this was his background. This was his religion and political background. And we see from this then that there is a danger in placing emphasis on outward and not inward religion. And despite his religious background and knowledge of the Scriptures he still needed to come to Christ. Tonight, there, those are lessons for you and I. Lessons for you who are in your sins because outward religion cannot save, as we've said. Knowledge of the Scriptures make you wise unto salvation. They do not save. They make you wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, how many know the Scriptures and have a knowledge of the Scriptures but have never bowed the knee and accepted Christ as Savior. Oh, that you would do that tonight. That the knowledge of the Scriptures would point you and make you wise to the Savior. That all would be well with your soul. That you would know uh, what the Savior says here, ye must be born again. And notice here that Christ taught this man about the new birth. We are jumping ahead of ourselves in this passage when we mention the new birth. But it's important to see that at this point. Because Nicodemus was in need of salvation. Despite his background. Despite his persuasion. He needed salvation. And the real crux of the matter is this. That you can be religious and still be a sinner. You can be religious and still be a sinner. You can have a religious background and a religious way of life and still be a sinner. You can appear to have a religious faith and still be a sinner. I remember my own background. I was saved, as I've mentioned before, converted to Christ at the age of four. 
I mentioned this morning in the adult Bible class, the adult Sunday school, when we spoke about the gospel mission that formed our denomination back in Northern Ireland in 1951. Uh, my grandmother professed faith at that mission. And so that puts an interesting slant on my life uh, because uh, from the earliest, uh, the earliest days of our denomination in Northern Ireland, uh, my family through my grandmother was involved. And then uh, my grandfather, who I never met, and then uh, my mother uh, and uh, my aunt, and then eventually in the 1980s, uh, I came upon the scene. But there's a background and a history in gospel preaching, a background and a history in the denomination that God blessed that led to churches being planted over here in North America. But that couldn't save. Gospel background, gospel heritage, a blessed heritage. Parents that went through the same Bible college as one day I would go through couldn't save. Parents that served the Lord couldn't save. I needed to know Christ as my own Savior. And at the age of four, I trusted Christ as Savior. I'd attended church. I have vague recollections from early services back in those days. But that's not enough to see if I needed to confess my sins, to turn from my sins, to look to the Savior. Albeit four years of age, whatever age you are, that is the same that you need to do to look to Christ because that outward religion cannot save. And Nicodemus here, he sought out Christ despite outward religion. He needed something, something outside of this faith that he had, something that could save. Oh, that you would turn tonight to the Savior you would not rest upon outward religion. You would rest upon Christ. And then secondly, I want you to see here that he sought out Christ despite prejudice. He sought out Christ despite prejudice. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was involved in Jewish society. And we find that despite that, he was a man who was dark in sin. But we must also see that he was free from prejudice. And what is prejudice? It's a preconceived opinion that isn't based on reason or actual experience. And we could see a man who comes in amongst us and we think, oh, he's not friendly. And we could say, well, he doesn't look like a nice man. He doesn't even look like he's a Christian. And that's prejudice because of the way he looks or the way he dresses or whatever it might be. He might be the nicest guy in this province. But we're basing our ideas and we know that. We see that. We look around us and we see individuals and we wonder, we would maybe say, well, he's shifty looking to use that terminology. There's something not quite right there. Or if we're going to the cash machine and we see certain individuals, we have a preconceived opinion. Watch our back because I'm not too sure of this person. Or if we're crossing the street and it's late at night and nobody's about and we see individuals, well, why are they there? We have a preconceived idea. Yes, it's good to be careful. But we have a preconceived idea of so many people in society based on how they look, based perhaps on the little we know of them, but we don't actually know them. And when we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Pharisees had prejudice toward him based on what he had said, what he had done. They didn't know him fully. 
They didn't know he was the Son of God. They didn't accept him as the Messiah. They didn't know him the way the disciples would and they would believe upon him. They had prejudice against him. The Savior appeared. Who was he? Where did he come from? Was he truly of God? And this prejudice led to attacks upon the Savior. It led eventually to uh, the crowd crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Barabbas was released. Christ was crucified because he was hated by the Jewish leaders. But when we come to Nicodemus, this prejudice, this building prejudice against the Savior, he seems to be free of that. He comes to Christ and he says, Rabbi, there's a mark of respect there, teacher, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. There's something about you. There's something different. You're a teacher from God. He was stopping short, obviously, of the great truth that Christ was the Son of God. But thou art a teacher come from God. He acknowledged that. He was a man who was willing to see what Christ was all about. To judge it for himself. Free from prejudice. Oh, they hated Christ and questioned Christ. He demolished their hypocrisy. He pointed people to himself away from the power of the Pharisees. But this prejudice did not prevent Nicodemus from going to the Savior. Is there prejudice in your heart toward Christ, toward the church, toward the Word of God? When we deal with the Savior, when we deal with spiritual matters, oh, there would be no prejudice. Do you not turn to the Savior and think that there is something wrong here? Because you have a preconceived idea. I know of one individual who had a preconceived idea. He professed Christ in a gospel meeting many, many years ago. But it was a false profession. And when he was led to Christ or raised his hand in an appeal, he thought he was saved. He was totally saved. He went home. He went to bed, he woke up the next day and he felt there's nothing different. Nothing has changed. I don't feel any different. And he lived his life. 20, 30 years passed by. Many of his family were saved and attended church and he attended church now and again. But he felt, well, faith and religion, that's for my wife, that's for my son, that's for the other members of my family. I tried that. It's not for me. There's a preconceived idea that it wasn't for him. But he didn't have the real thing. He didn't have the real thing. And that man needed counseled, and he was prayed over for years and years and years. And he eventually realized, he eventually realized that Christ was for him, that he could be saved, he could be redeemed. He opened up his home uh, to a gospel mission. Uh, there was a church that wanted to have a gospel mission in his village. But all the halls that they would have hired were unavailable at that time. And he said, you know what? They have a hall. They can erect it. It was a portable hall. They can have my land. They can put it on my land. And the front door of the hall, if this was the front door of the hall, the front door of his home, was before you hit the entrance 
to our church. Such was the short distance, right beside each other. The gospel mission came and he realized his preconceived ideas were wrong. That Christ was real, that Christ could save and Christ did save and his life was changed and his life was transformed. And you could see that. But this idea that, well, he had tried the gospel, but it was a false profession, a false profession. Oh, that you would not lean upon a false profession thinking that there's nothing in Christ. Is there prejudice toward preachers, toward the word of God, preconceived notions and ideas that deflect from who Christ truly is? This prejudice didn't take attention away from Christ. It didn't happen with Nicodemus. He went to the Savior. He sought him out. Dear unbeliever, the most important thing you can do in life is to come to Christ, to seek the Savior. Don't let prejudice get between you and the gospel. But dear believer, there is a lesson here for us. A lesson here for us. Not only did the Pharisees cause prejudice against the gospel, but there's a danger that we could. There's a danger that we could. How could we do that? By attitude, by a lack of love, by a lack of grace, by implying that in our lives there's no real difference between the sinner and the saint. And that is perhaps something we don't often think about. What are people's conceptions about Christ? What do they think about church? What do they think about this place of worship? What do they think about the preaching of the gospel? Because their only connection to Christ and the gospel and the church might be you. They're not going to look at the website. They're not going to listen to sermons. They're going to look at you. And they're going to see, well, this person says they're a Christian. And all their preconceived ideas about Christians and Christianity and Christ and the gospel will come from you. What would they think? What would they think? Would they see someone who loves the Savior? Would they see someone, well, yes, they're genuine. They're certainly not perfect, but they're genuine about it. And they love their Savior and they have a great faith and a great trust in Christ and they're in the workplace. You should see them work and labor as you glorify God. In other words, is their preconceived idea a good testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because their only contact is you. And there are people in this world. And their only contact with a Christian, their only contact with the church is through some individual. And that might be you. Are they forming prejudice, prejudiced opinions against Christ and the gospel because of hypocrisy? Because of a bad attitude? Oh, that we would examine ourselves, that we would have a good testimony for Christ and be a good witness for Christ. Oh, that the Lord would give us gracious hearts that desire to lovingly testify of him and appoint sinners to him. Thirdly, here we see that he sought out Christ because God was with him. He sought out Christ because God was with him. This is why he came. He saw there was something different about this man, something he wanted to check out. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. He came to Christ because he believed he came from God. He saw the miracles and he realized no man can do these things unless God sends him. Unless God is with him. And the miracles of Christ, 
What do the miracles do? They point to the Savior. They point to his redemptive work upon Calvary. Healing the sick. Redeeming us from the disease of sin. Making the blind to see. Opening the eyes of sinners. Raising the dead to life. He is the giver of spiritual life. Feeding the 5,000. He's the great provider for his people. But God, he said, was with him. And he sought the Savior because he believed God was with him. But he realized there was much more about Christ than God being with him. He was the Son of God. And that's a vital truth. He sought out the Son of God. And the Savior, the great answer that he gives, he says simply to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the Savior here brings out the gospel. And he focuses in upon the need to believe and to believe upon him. And dear believer, if you want to know how to evangelize and how to witness, look at the Savior and how. In John 3 and John 4, he witnessed. And he brought the attention of Nicodemus to the Savior or to the Savior himself. And the woman at Samaria, how he spoke to her by that great water that he could give that she would never thirst again. He pointed these individuals to himself. To himself. And that is the purpose of evangelism. To point individuals to the Savior. He had a great respect for Christ. He recognized there was something about him. And he came to find out more. Oh, tonight, do you recognize something about Christ? Do you have respect for Christ? Do you desire to know more of Christ? Do you desire to seek out the Savior? He is not a mere man. We need to emphasize that. He is not a mere teacher. He is not a mere teacher come from God, as Nicodemus said. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. And therefore, there's a great need then for you to seek him out, to meet with him, to know your sins forgiven. The Savior spoke to Nicodemus, verse 14, and he speaks of Calvary. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Savior refers to those serpents in the day of Moses that came into the camp, and how the brazen serpent was lifted up, and if they would look and live, they would be saved if they were bitten by the serpent. And the Savior says, as Moses did that, that is what the Son of Man, that is what the Savior must do. Be lifted up. It was a type of Christ. He was lifted up upon the cross that men might be saved, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And through all of this, he points Nicodemus to himself, not a mere man, not a mere teacher, but the Son of God. The Nicodemus must believe upon if he was not to perish but have everlasting life. And tonight, dear unbeliever, you're to look to the Savior, the one who is lifted up, the one in whom if you believe you will not perish but have everlasting life. You're not to look to a church. You're not to look to a man. You're to look to Christ. And this is the whole emphasis that the Savior brings to Nicodemus Looking to Christ. 
looking to the Lamb of God, looking to the one that God sent to be the Savior of the world. Oh, that you would look. You would know the importance of the new birth. Oh, that outward religion and prejudice would not hold you back, but you would see you need Christ. Despite all these things, the Savior, not a mere teacher, not a mere man, but the Savior, the Son of God, is who you need. Dear believers, we think upon that. We have that great message of the gospel of Christ. Here the Savior is sharing that message about himself. Do you have a desire to share that message? To tell others that they need the Savior? To tell others that as we see here, that God sent his Son into the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, the gospel that we have here is a gospel that we've believed, that we've accepted, that we rejoice in. But it's a gospel that we must share. A gospel that we must share. Oh, if we believe it, let us share it. Let us tell others. Because whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The only way, the only way to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless his word tonight for his name's sake. And over the next number of weeks, as God leads, may he... Open up this chapter to us that we would see more about the wonder of the new birth, that we would all believe and know him as our Savior. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we rejoice in thy word tonight. We thank thee for this chapter that reminds us so very clearly about the gospel and about the need of salvation and about the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And Father, we thank Thee for life everlasting and eternal life. We realize because of sin, uh, we do not have that life. Uh, But we thank Thee because of Christ, uh, there is eternal life for those who repent and believe. And Father, we pray this evening that each one would know Christ as Savior, have that desire to witness for Christ and to live for Him. We do pray Thou would work in hearts and lives. And draw the unsaved to thyself. Father, bless us. Give us thy people opportunities this week to witness about what we've heard this evening. That there is a Savior. And that uh, despite whatever outward religion we may have, it cannot save. uh, But only Christ can. Father, bless us, we pray. Take us to our homes in safety. Glorify thy name. And may the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.